This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Franchise Tag. I'm your host, Eric. I love my buddy, Chris. How is it going, Chris? How's it going, everybody? All right. So, um, we're going to take a little bit of a turn on today's episode of Franchise Tag because last night was the NBA Draft Lottery, as we know, and... It was a bit of a surprise what happened, and I'm surprised um, because a lot of people thought it was a surprise because it is the NBA draft lottery, so anything can happen. It's not like it's the it's the NFL draft or anything like that. It's worst of first. And as for those of you that may not know, the NBA draft, what they do is they have a draft lottery to avoid teams from tanking. They give a team a certain percentage um, as to how, as to who's going to get the first pick. So you could literally be a solid team and low tier but still end up in the top three picks mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened last night and basically this is one of the most anticipated you know drafts in a very long time because of none other than zion williamson and zion williamson is a basically a once in a lifetime talent and no one's ever really you know been touted as number one pick since high school like he has since LeBron James and he was drafted out of high school and until they changed that rule he's coming out of Duke after his first year mm-hmm. and so pretty much it's unanimous like whenever I've seen um, analysts tweet or talk about on TV that um, it's not the race for first place it's more like chances of getting Zion that's pretty yeah. much how it went and yeah. it's not one of those it's not one of those drafts where that you know his teammate R.J. Barrett and you have John Moran out of, out of Murray State um, who are going to be um, like could be a surprise at the number one pick, and it's just not one of those drafts. It's like unanimously, whoever's available at that number one slot is going to take him, regardless. Mm-hmm. So, from last night, what you saw, and we're going to go over the percentages. We're going to go over who picked where. I just want to get your thoughts um, initially when you first saw what happened. Huh. I mean, just living up, growing up in the area that we were, were growing up in right now, you hear heard a lot of people. A lot of Knicks fans wanting that first overall pick, and uh, sadly they didn't get it. I nope. mean, it didn't happen. Very heartbreaking for sure. It, it was, and, and I mean, having the Pelicans and then Memphis having them get the first two picks—that was no one could have assumed that. Yeah, not even nobody because, would have guessed that. Because right away, and I'll go over the percentages right now. So perfect timing there. Uh, so the Knicks had a 14% chance. They were they had the worst record in the league. Followed by the Cavaliers had a 14% chance of the number one pick. Uh, Phoenix Suns 14, Chicago Bulls 12.5, uh, Hawks 10.5, Wizards 9.0. Uh, Pelicans had 6.0 and they ended up getting the first uh, overall yeah. pick. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, followed by them, are, got were 6.0 and they got the second pick. Um, and followed by that was the Mavericks, also 6.0. Uh, the Timberwolves had 3.0. Lakers had 2.0 chance of being a number one. Um, and they also had a 6.7 chance of being top three. And yeah. they ended up getting the four pick. Um, yeah. So big break by then. And then the uh, the Hornets were 1.0. Uh, Miami Heat 1.0. And then Sacramento Kings 1.0. And those are the chances of getting the number one pick, a.k.a. Zion Williamson. And to go over the first couple picks that were selected... Um, were the Pelicans ended up getting the number one pick as we mentioned mm-hmm. before the Grizzlies with the number two pick heartbreaking New York Knicks got the number three pick and we're going to go over in a second that the number three pick isn't the worst thing in the world no definitely not we could have been the fifth pick 
We yeah. could have been the fourth pick, which would have been a lot worse than being the fifth pick, in my opinion, because you're pretty much out of those top three spots. Maybe Cam Reddish would have landed in that spot, but mm-hmm. you want to be top three regardless as an NBA team. And I and I know a lot of NBA fa- uh, NBA fans and Knicks fans more in general are very upset because they feel like they're entitled to getting Zion Williamson with that number one pick because we were the worst pick in the league. Just off top, what do you think of you know, the lottery, do you think that should still be in place? Should that rule ever be changed or should it end up being like the NFL where it's kind of like, you know, in in the NFL it's kind of harder to tank because it's a different type of game. It's Mm -hmm. more physical and stuff like that. As opposed to the NBA, you can change up a lineup every couple games and you can put your worst players in, you give some guys a shot and you could tank. And I think that's what the Knicks were trying to do so they have a better shot. Um, But they were still kind of testing the waters with some players like Damian Dotson and Mitchell Robinson in there, even though they trade, they ended up getting the trade for DeAndre Jordan and Mm -hmm. they ended up doing well. So you kind of, you see the depth in there, Um, but they end up falling at three instead of the one pick where it's very marketable for, you know, you know, it's a big city. It's not like Milwaukee, um, but you know, you know, like Giannis is doing a great job over there in Milwaukee, but it's not one of those towns like the big names like L.A. or New York or, yeah. you know, Chicago and stuff like that. And Zion, the name within itself is already marketable as it is. And um, him going to New Orleans, I'm not sure if you saw his reaction. He wasn't happy. He really wasn't happy about it. And there's already rumors going around that he may even threaten to stay in college, even though that's he's probably not the case at all. But um, I don't know, man. It, it's just, for me, the lottery's is a good thing to implement to reduce the ch- like teams actually tanking but that's also yeah. a strategy to build for your future it's not something yeah. it's not something teams you know it's like a it's not team it's not something teams would like to do but if it's for the betterment of your team you do it and along the way it's a good it's a good way of coaching you know players you know bringing some up from the g league and working out with those guys and see how they work out and see how they fit in with who's going to be the number one pick in the draft, and I feel like that's how it works out. Do you think it should end up being like the NFL where, and I th- it's not going to change anytime soon, it's just not going to happen, but the NFL is always worse to first. Should it should it potentially ever go back to that if the case ever came back? No, I don't think so. Because it it's too different from the NFL. The NFL, there's a whole week of preparation, there's players obviously that get injured, and you know, like the Giants had that two years ago, the Falcons had it, this year and like those are just two teams that we root for that we recognize they get injured and then they get a higher pick than they probably would have if their whole team was healthy and I mean yeah it sucks because then they get a good pick and they weren't a bad team to begin with they just were unlucky but you can easily like what you said with the NBA you can easily tank you could just start pulling players out like there are players that before they even make the playoffs, they know they're making it and they start benching players because yeah. they want them ready. I mean, it's for a crying, strategy. Yeah, for crying out loud, the, the New York Knicks had Ennis Cantor. And Ennis Cantor, from, to me, is a phenomenal type. You know, uh, and now he's in the, in the Trailblazers, who's in yeah. the playoffs right now. They're in the Western Conference Finals. And he's a great player. He's a great guy who, if you need to come off the bench, he'll do it. Anywhere he's been, he's one of the nicest guys ever. And he's yeah. always supportive of his team. For the Knicks, however, they were trying out like Lou Cornette, putting him at center every single game. And then Ennis Cantor never really got a chance coming off the bench. And that was a strategy that they kind of had to tank. And then yeah. eventually they were going to trade him at the long run and kind of not really trade him. I think they bought him out. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's just a strategy you can do, and I think it's a good thing that NBA players, you know, have the chance to play when a team needs to tank. But at the same time, no one wants to see tanking. But yeah, when you have a draft class like this, the la- the one thing that you want 
is to get that number one pick. And it's the first year they actually implemented this rule for the first um, three picks to get fourteen equally fourteen percent chance at yeah. getting the number one pick. And it, it's just a shame. It's just never nothing ever falls the Knicks way. And it's just funny that you know, regardless of any team that gets picked, you know, like for the lottery, everyone was all eyes were on the Knicks. Yeah, all eyes were on the Knicks, and it's just unfortunate. And I, here's what I want to get into real quick. So I, I want to finish off listing uh, the teams that. Um, ended up being selected for the uh, lottery. Um, so following the Knicks at the three pick, you had the Lakers at the four pick, and again, it came as a surprise to everyone because they didn't have a high percent chance at getting that four pick. And then the number five pick um, was was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Suns, very shocking, got the six pick. Yeah. Um, the Bulls at seven. Uh, Atlanta Fal- Atlanta Hawks, excuse me, at eight. Um, nine was the Wizards. Ten was the Hawks. Timberwolves at the 11. Hornets at 12. Um, the Heat at 13, and then Celtics at 14. So, all in all, I, I just I just don't think the teams like the the Suns or the Cavaliers deserve to be the pick after the Lakers. They have LeBron yeah. James. They're going to put it together this this next upcoming upcoming season. I mean, hopefully, um, they've had a weird season with season with LeBron James again. He's been hurt, so and it's his first time not being in the playoffs, and that mm-hmm. doesn't come too often. So expect next year them to make a run in the playoffs. And now they have the four pick, and they have another chance to um, possibly trade out of that four pick to possibly get Anthony Davis. Again, they're going to try to hack back at that because they tried doing that before the deadline. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's what I want to talk about Knicks. We'll get into the Lakers in a second because it's all going to tie together because it's going to s- surround one player, which is Anthony Davis, and then we're going to touch on Zion. Okay, so the Knicks get the three pick. A lot of people are upset, and... What really, and I was even upset. And what what really struck me was um, there was an ESPN uh, you know reporter actually there to watch the Knicks' reactions to getting that lottery pick. And what happened is he reviewed this guy and he's like, "We're the worst team in the league. We deserve to be rewarded." Yeah. To me, that's like that makes me sad to be a Nick the Nick fan because here's the thing: you have the worst pick, you're not entitled to that, and that makes me even be on more of the side of having the lottery because. There's no, there's not really an excuse that you can have because the Knicks have, you know, made tons of mistakes in the past. So, okay, for for example, they hit a home run with Porzingis, but eventually yeah. he gets traded, and the pick that should have been taken um, when Neil Aquino was drafted was Dennis Smith, and he ended up being passed to go to the Mavericks. He gets traded back to us, but we had to give up Porzingis. So there was a bunch of mistakes in the process. There's mm-hmm. no mistake about that. So we, we could have had it right the first time, and. You know, maybe we there still would have needed to be development there because there's a lot of young players. But at the same time, you really want the Knicks to get that one pick. You really feel like it's a great place for Zion to play at. And now he's got to go to the Pelicans, which I don't think he's very happy to go to. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just think Knicks fans feel very entitled. You definitely shouldn't be rewarded for being the worst. That shouldn't be rewarded ever in any, any team standpoint. Um, but, you know, I don't think Knicks fans should be too upset. Take the three pick if... John Morant goes second to the Memphis Grizzlies, and then R.J. Barrett falls to us. Good. If any any one of them falls to us, it's perfect. And yeah. there was even rumors before, and I think that like Knicks, you know, the Knicks front office shut it down. Um, that if they got the number one pick, they possibly would have traded for some assets to try to get Anthony Davis in a package with that number one yeah. pick. And you know. I think all focus is going to shift to getting Anthony Davis. If the Knicks end up trading that three pick to somehow try and get him for some some players like Neil Akina, who's always on, he's been on the draft block since he's gotten drafted for some reason. Not sure, still to this day, don't know why they picked him. If they've been threatening to 
to trade him this whole time, but do you think that the Knicks should put all focus with that theory pick to try to get AD, or should they try their luck, try to get RJ, take the best player available, and you know, hope in free agency Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving end up you know going to New York? Uh, I mean, I, I personally think that I would rather somebody like AD over any prospect that they have because you know what you're going to get out of AD. You know what he's doing. You know how he performs, in what situations he performs best. You know, if it comes to down to the wire, how is he going to handle it? With all these rookies that you have, you don't know how they're going to handle the pressure in the NBA. They could do it in college, but it's a whole different phenomenon in, in the NBA. And I feel like if you're – the Knicks, like, they're kind of at this point to where it's like, like the fans want them to win. They, they need – they want to win, and they wanted Zion so bad because they figured that would be like their key to success. That would have helped them out to win. Well, it also helps in free agency for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to be more um, inclined to sign with the Knicks if Zion yeah. is there because that's another asset to play with that they would like yeah. to play with. But now it's kind of like the only way you can really – it's not the only way, but a really great way of trying to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to come over to New York is if they get Anthony Davis before then because they're going to want to play with him. So yeah. I think – they should shift their shift their focus towards him. I think he's gonna yeah. be he would be a good fit in New York. It's honestly up to the Knicks front office and who they package. Hopefully, it's not too many players because I kind of like our young assets right now. But um, if it's a risk they need to take, I would love to get Anthony Davis on the team. I feel like that's a great step. Can't go wrong there. Um, but again, Anthony Davis gets hurt all the time. But he's a great player. Twenty six years old. Do you feel like yeah. he's been in the league for a very very for long, a long time? time? He came yeah. in at eighteen years old. Went to the to, it went to New Orleans when it was still the Hornets. So yeah. that just goes to show you how long he's been in the league for. Um, but, yeah, I think all their focus should shift towards Anthony Davis regardless of who's on the board. But at the end of the day, if, if they pull the New York Jets and they don't end up getting the trade, nothing that comes to them is good enough. Getting R.J. Barrett or John Moran isn't the worst, no, you know, scenario ever. So, yeah. yeah. Not at all. Yeah, so um, back to Zion real quick. So, like we said before, he wasn't too fond of hearing that the Pelicans got the number one pick because, as everyone knows, Zion is unanimously going to be that number one pick in this upcoming draft. And, you know, what's weird about New Orleans is since they are the Pelicans and it's a place where not a lot of free agents want to go to, they only have Anthony Davis because they traded him in the first place and he gave him a second shot and took that second contract because they drafted him. They took a shot on him. And, you know, you keep that guy. And they made the playoffs recently and somehow still got the number one pick, even though they had a very low percentage of getting the number one pick. And people still don't want to go there. It's just very strange how a city where it's not very marketable and not a lot of people want to be there. And again, Zion doesn't really seem to be a player that will fit in in the Pelicans. But you have to think about it for a second. Giannis, who wasn't like Zion. He wasn't a number one pick coming into that draft. He was drafted later. Again, he was much smaller. He mm-hmm. was he wasn't as great in college as people thought he was going to be, but then the Bucks took a shot on him and he's in a small market town like the Milwaukee Bucks and he ends up playing fantastic and that could be the the case with Zion. The thing is though, in places like LA, New York, Chicago, and all these other places, someone like Zion is very marketable. You're going to fill up seats and he's going to make a lot more money when it comes yeah. to the Pelicans, where I don't think money's going to be an issue because I heard a report today that they already sold over 2,000 season tickets mm. like last night alone, right after wow. right after the lottery was was chosen. So I don't know. Uh, what what do you think of Zion fitting in with the Pelicans 
like overall because to me if you asked me months ago if the pelicans were going to be the number one pick and take zion i wouldn't believe you and now that's the case i mean i think it all goes out the window the fact that he doesn't even like, he didn't seem very interested that is not a good sign whether he would have fit in well or not with the scheme with the players with how the coaching system works take that all out of consideration because he seems like he doesn't want to play there and i feel like that is the most important thing that everyone should be focusing on if he feels that he doesn't want to play there he's not going to go 100% and i feel like that's wrong because at the end of the day you're you're going to be the number 1 overall pick in the nba draft and i feel like you know people would die to do that and there are people that are going to be picked second third fourth within the top 10 and they would have loved to be in his place and you know obviously everybody has favorites i'm not saying people don't have favorites people don't want to go to certain places over the other it we're all humans we all have our opinions emotions get the best of us but i just feel like if he basically it's it's a given like you said that he's going to get drafted number one and he's going to go to the pelicans i feel like it's like you know you got to take it for what it's worth you're going to be the number one overall pick you are one of the like highly scouted players like you said since lebron lebron since high school lebron was like one of the last the first few people to have that in that time frame there hasn't been many yeah so i think before lebron it was kobe and not many people after that have lived up to that type of hype that lebron had so that's the thing i feel like yeah you might not it might not end the way that you want it but you got to take it for what it's worth you are going to be this star of the nba whether it's in new orleans in new york in la wherever everyone wanted him to go it doesn't matter he's still going to be that star yeah but here's the thing with zion though what if he pulls off i know there's a lot of rumors there's a lot of rumors and a lot of you know analysts coming out and a lot of reporters coming out saying that what if he does pull an eli manning where he does everything in his power not to play for the la uh, the uh san diego chargers at the time to try to move out or threaten to you know threaten to go back to college even though he still that's honestly still an option he has to do it yeah. 15 days before the draft but um there's a lot of people that know zion and are very close to zion that say he's not that type of kid i don't even think he's that type of kid i think he's gonna no. take he's gonna whoever takes a shot on him i think he's gonna play his heart out for but um honestly zion going to the pelicans um i mean i feel i even feel as though that he's gonna bring more buzz than anthony davis did when he first got drafted yeah. there so maybe free agents will want to go there and actually play with them um and again they are they were a playoff team not too long ago yeah and of course you know it's a shame that they're losing anthony davis because i think those two playing together would have been amazing i think unstoppable backcourt there yeah um the yeah, zion williamson is a very special player but again you can't forget about john morant who is a player that's going to be loyal to your team regardless of mm-hmm. where he gets chosen because he went to murray state he could have been at any one of the big name schools he ended up staying there um, he's a very good role model. He played very well in the tournament. Um, they were an underdog in that first round. They yeah. ended up winning. And even after that game, he went and gave out his shoes to this like young player. Young player, I mean, like young fan. And you know that's the type of player you want on your team in the NBA. Not a lot of college players do that. It's mostly like you know professional um, NBA players that actually yeah. do that. And he ended up doing that in college. So I think if he lands to the to the Knicks that's not the worst thing in the world and then you can't forget about RJ Barrett a lot of people want to just knock him like over but you can't forget he played alongside Zion that may put down his draft stock a little bit and again literally by like one or two picks because he's that great of a player but the fact that he played side by side with Zion just shows that you know it puts more light in Zion than it does to RJ and when Mm -hmm. You know, when Zion got hurt during the season, when he kind of sprained his MCL, RJ still performed the way he should have performed when yeah. he wasn't there. So if he falls to the Knicks, too, I think the Knicks, Knicks fans really can't be upset. We could have ended up with the four or five pick 
and you just got to be glad you're in the top three. It's very upsetting because you want to get the guy like Zion, and you haven't done that in a while. Last time we had the we won the lottery draft lottery, we ended up getting Patrick, Patrick Ewing. Ewing yeah. It changed the franchise forever because he was that great. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's a shame. But what do you think of the standpoint that a lot of people make? And again, I heard today on the Michael K show. Uh, I think yesterday on the Michael K show on ESPN, where someone called in and they said, um, "Do you think the draft lottery is kind of rigged so that?" You know, obviously, um, what's it called? Uh, obviously, the NBA knows that the Pelicans aren't a team that the you know a lot of free agents want to go to. Like I mentioned before, and players don't want to play for. Zion even had that facial expression that was like, maybe this is the place that I don't want to go. Do you think they? Do you think it's rigged at all, or in any way, shape, or form, so that you know, just just to rig it so that the 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 Pelicans somehow get talent to go there so that free agents will kind of be more inclined to go there and people won't be more as upset to go there because again i don't think anthony davis in the first place wanted to play for the the hornets when they first came out because again they weren't that great of a team and again chris paul was there so at least he had someone to play for the only yeah. person he's playing with right now is drew holiday and rondo was there and he left recently to go to the lakers mm-hmm. and he gave him a second shot because he's a loyal guy and he probably would have wanted to retire there but he's like hey i gave you guys a second shot i played for you guys a long time you guys drafted me thank you very much but i'm looking to play in a bigger city and i'm ready to win some games so yeah do you think the nba did anything in any way shape or form to get the pelicans in that number one pick if we're talking conspiracy here because I, I don't think that was the case but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA tried to pull strings because what it comes down to at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to have a fair shot. Like, that's the whole point of this draft lottery. The whole point of it was that everybody, there's an equal opportunity. You don't tank. It gives you kind of, you know, a motive to finish out the season strong. But I feel like with... uh, with the way things happen to turn out, I don't know. I just, it feels, it, it feels kind of weird to me. I feel like uh, when it comes to the draft, I don't know. I feel like it, it seems almost too good to be true. The fact that these teams that, you know, everybody this year, the whole thing, when you, when you think about it throughout the whole season, everyone was kind of like tank for Zion. That was their whole, that was a saying. Everybody wanted to tank for Zion. And I feel like, it's just weird that these teams that got these picks, like the teams that were supposed to be the top few picks ended up being like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And it's kind of like, it's very weird. It's kind of almost like trying to prove a point. Like it's a draft lottery. Anything can happen. Don't just tank because you want to get that pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know, I was just kind of messing around with that question because someone brought it up and I, I even thought about it. It's kind of true that not a lot of people want to play new, for New Orleans and it's a great city. I think the fact that their name is the Pelicans, a lot of people don't want to play for them. Their colors are a little bland and yeah. they don't really stand out to a lot of you know, teams and stuff. But at the end of the day, that's the picks and yep. Memphis ended up getting second and they weren't even in consideration for being the top three picks and they'd had the, like one of the least chances of getting the top three picks and that happened. But the way it's going to work out, that's the way it's going to go. Um, if anything happens with Zion, we'll let you guys know because he is one, going to be a generational talent. If he somehow finesses his way out of New Orleans, I'm going to be very surprised. Because, yeah. But he does have a lot of power in his hands. Um, he does. He's not even signed to an agent yet. He hasn't signed a shoe deal yet. Yeah. And none of that's even taken place yet. So all that has to go down. He's going to have to make some phone calls and talk with people face to face in meetings as to what's going to happen and see where he ends up. But 
He doesn't seem like the type of kid that's going to end up getting out of that scenario at all. No. Eli Manning was very highly touted going into that draft, and he did everything in his power. And again, it's football. You can make some moves, and you could do anything in your power to try to get out of there if you if you have that power. Zion yeah. does, but it's the NBA. It's a different world as opposed yeah. to the NFL. And I don't think any of that will happen. So he's going to make some big money there. And, he's pr- and the problem is, it doesn't seem to me that the next contract he gets, that, se- that he gets that second contract, is going to be as low as people think. I think it's going to be even higher than AD's contract. He's essentially replacing him, but at the same time, he's not that big man center. A lot of people want to play for who could also shoot and he can finesse you in the paint. At, mm-hmm. uh, but... Zion's gonna be very aggressive, and he's gonna he's gonna change the way New Orleans is seen as an NBA team moving forward. Yeah. So that's enough NBA talk for us today. But it is a sports podcast, as mentioned. Uh, camera just stopped rolling, but I think we got a good enough segment in there that I could post something. Um, let's start talking some NFL, like we usually talk every single week. And there's not much going on, but actually news broke out today that the Jets uh, GM Mike McCagnan actually got fired, and it came as a surprise to everyone because they let him pretty much make all the moves in the offseason, signing C.J. Mosley, mm-hmm. got Le'Veon Bell. Um, he was pretty much given the car keys to, you know, as to who gets drafted um, at the number three pick or if he drafts out or if he uh, he trades out of that. And that didn't end up happening. And so, well, what ended up happening is they take Quinn and Williams because n- none of the trades that were given to them were good enough to make and so what happens there is that happens a couple weeks go by how long has it been since the nbf sorry nfl draft not long right Uh, like two weeks maybe two weeks maybe and so two Two weeks go by and he ends up getting fired kind of came out of nowhere and that makes adam gay senior um gm for now and that means he can make any move he wants right here regardless so in the next upcoming weeks, we're going to see what really happens with Adam Gase because I'm sure he's not. Obviously, he's not the long-term interim head coach no. because he interim. Sorry, he is the head coach, not the interim GM. But he can make any moves he wants in the meantime. And so, this came as a surprise to me. Why do you think the owners for the Jets allowed him to make all these moves? but at the end of the day, still get fired. Because apparently it was already known that they wanted to fire him a very long time ago, but they waited till way after free agency, way after the draft, to even make this type of move. I don't know. I, it might have been kind of like that last-ditch effort. Like, all right, let's see what he can do. We want to get rid of him, but maybe if he really wows us, he impresses us, maybe uh, maybe we'll keep him around. And, I mean, getting C.J. Mosley and Bell, that's pretty talented. Keenan Williams, he's a pretty good draft pick. I, I think that was a great pick. Uh, the only thing I guess you could say that he really lacked was that those contracts to Bell and Mosley were very, very big. And yeah, that- definitely. I think where everything was starting to go downhill was where contracts were yep. taking place. But again, C.J. Mosley was already in talks with a couple other teams to try to get signed, so the Jets are going to do everything they can to try to get him to sign to New York, and it ended up happening. So you pay that guy, you pay Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell, that wasn't even the amount of money he wanted. No. He had just ended up going there because the Steelers weren't paying him. So, if anything, that's a wind on both ends. But it is a lot of money going out. Your cap's going to be hit a little bit. Um, and that could hurt a lot of GMs, I guess. That could be a good reason. But at the end of the day, you did end up getting one of the better defensive players and one of the better running backs in the league. And you yeah. end up and you drafted Sam Darnold last year, who was passed on by the Giants and landed in your spot. And you traded up to get him. Everything has worked out in your favor up till this point. Um, 
you move on from head coaches and you take one that's already in the division so they already know the teams very well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you make these moves, who, which aren't so bad, but as a GM, decisions before that weren't really that great. But I, I think you just waited way, way too long to make this type of move. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they've been such a, a wreck of recently. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen with the Jets. And you figured after the draft and everything else that's been going on in the offseason, you figured like, oh, the Giants, they're going to be that team of the New York Giants like, compared to the New York Jets. And it's like, oh, wow, they're going to be that fan base and that team that everyone's like, what the hell's going on? But the uh, Jets kind of made a move like, don't forget about us. We're still here. We're still mu- we still will mess up. Yeah, I know. And th- there was already tweets going around that was kind of just like, oh, leave it to the Jets to kind of make it seem like, you know, they weren't in shambles and now they are <laughs> still in shambles as a New York team. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it, was, it isn't the only New York team in shambles, but I think Jets have to prove, the Giants have to prove a lot more that they aren't in shambles than the Jets do. Yep. Because again, at the end of the day, they still sign those players and I think it's going to work out for them at the end of the day too. But let's go over a timeline that's gone on up till today. So December 30th, they fired head coach Todd Bowles and they kept the GM, Mike McCagnin. So even back then, they were even considered, considering uh, firing him. And then uh, January 9th, they hired Adam Gase as their head coach. January 15th, they hired Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator. And then the January 23rd, um, they hire uh, Dowell Loggins as the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Uh, or Loggins, I don't even know how you pronounce that. But um, And then March 10th, they trade for... Raiders guard um, Osemele, and then the 11th, March 11th, they sign uh, Jamison Crowder to a three-year, $28 million deal. A lot of money, so yep. that already goes to show you that GM doesn't really know what to do with money. They sign Josh Bellamy to two-year, $7 million. Not the worst deal, but that's the type of deal you probably should have given Jamison Crowder. Um, also on the 11th, they get commitment from Anthony Barr, which didn't end up happening at the end of the day. Um, but on the 12th, they also signed CJ Mosley to five years, 85 million. The same day on the 12th, Anthony Barr backs out of the deal. On the 13th, um, they signed Le'Veon Bell four years, $52.5 million. The 14th, they also signed cornerback Brian Poole to one year, 3.5 mil. Uh, on the 15th, they signed, uh, Chandler Cannon Zero after losing Pro Bowl kicker Jason Myers going back to Seattle. Uh, on the 20th, they signed backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, um, April 4th, uh, they get new uniforms. On the 11th, they sign Ty Montgomery. On the 25th of April, they select Bama D-Tackle, Quinn and Williams with the third overall pick. And mind you, all those moves are taking place of Mike McCagnin himself. 15th comes around, which is today. They fire their their GM, Mike McCagnin, and Vice President of Player Personnel, Brian Heimerdinger. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. A lot of weird last names going on in New York, but they're not there anymore. Very weird timeline. I'm um, not sure why the Jets kind of gave him the keys to the, the car there and kind of just make all those moves just for nothing because I guess they didn't have a GM set up next. And yeah. I don't know why you do that now. I don't know why you just don't wait longer. But I guess they kind of just pulled the trigger. They're just like, we're tired of waiting. Adam Gase is our head coach. If he wants to make any moves, he should make it. Um, just very weird timing overall. Yeah, I'm curious at what uh, if uh, any of these decisions that they made – I'm curious if uh, any of them are going to be revoked or something now with a new GM. Yeah, and so there was also a report that came out, the NFL Network draft analyst, and we've heard this name, this this title before float around in the GM category when it comes to hiring, especially with the Raiders who signed uh, Mike Mayock to be the new uh, GM over there. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, 
Oh, yeah. He's under serious consideration for a prominent front office position with the Jets, uh, per Adam Schefter. Before joining NFL Network, Jeremiah was a college scout with the Ravens, Browns, Eagles. So he's not just a draft analyst. He was a scout, so he definitely knows a lot of players. Um, What do you think of this new trend going on right now? And I think a lot of teams are probably going to end up making the same type of move uh, from for getting a draft analyst to come in and try to make some moves for you. And again, they're looking at a draft analyst because maybe there could have been a trade available that they could have done, but you end up with Quinn and Williams, who's still a phenomenal player. But the fact that you're looking at a draft analyst means there's probably a trade there that could have been taken and he decided not to take it, which could probably could give him some more assets. And you move back and there's still a bunch of players on the board that we mentioned in a couple episodes ago. And it didn't happen, so you take an analyst, and Mike Mayock is already hired over there in Oakland. Do you think it's a it's a good move to do? Should you have a draft analyst on board to be your GM because that's the most important role you should take? Because again, GM they have to make a lot of moves, but draft is definitely most important. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you hear like all the you have these mock drafts, and you have they they're very active on social media, and they kind of put their opinion into what they think should be going on, but. The big thing that you can really get from this is that th- these draft analysts, their their jobs are to make, basically put out their opinions. So they think, okay, I think this person should g- get drafted here, or I think this person has this. A lot of times, too, you have like the, the scouting reports and everything, and all these draft picks and of all these players, they're not always accurate. And I feel like it's not... It's it's a smart I see the strategy, I understand where it's coming from, but their job, like, you know, if they are wrong about a draft pick, that at the end of the day, no one cares, no one remembers. Because it's kind of like, oh well, no one remembers what you said about this draft pick, you know, five years later if he's an all star. No one remembers that. But if you mess up as a GM, everyone's gonna remember that. It's kinda like if you reach like the Giants did for Daniel Jones, all eyes are on Dave exactly. Gettleman. And all eyes are on Pat Shermer, who have a say in who gets drafted, because if that player doesn't pan out, eventually you're you're on the hot seat to yeah. lose your job. But if you take a shot, if you took a shot in the dark at a defensive player with the third pick, I think at the end of the day it's always going to work out for you. So I don't think Quinn Williams was the worst pick. No. There wasn't a lot of bad moves made here, but he was oh he's always been on the hot seat. Again, like I said before, it's just some weird timing. And like I mentioned before, with all with the contract issues, where he kind of just blew money on all these free agents and there wasn't a lot of free agents that came in and mind you before I get to what I'm going to say in the draft um, they did pick a good first round pick and that kind of stands out the most because everyone all eyes are watching on those top three picks and the whole first round in general but there was a lot of picks made in the fifth sixth and seventh round that they didn't draft people that were supposed to fit some holes, like especially on offense and defense. And their, their offensive line isn't still isn't as great as people want it to be. Yes, you sign yeah. Osemele, but he's not the answer. Again, an offensive line, you have to have five people on that line able to block regardless, and they've had some troubles with that over the past few years, and they didn't end up doing it. But that's another reason why. But to go over, like I mentioned before, the free agent that they signed – they spent $191.2 million on Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Crowder, and Henry Anderson. That takes a large shot at your cap. This is a team that two years ago, right under the Browns, had the largest cap room like in all of the NFL. Yeah. And now that's changed. And so, I don't know, man. I mean, signing C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell, you definitely got lucky with that. But, you know, spending all that money, you probably could have got a cheaper deal. You probably could have traded back and got some assets 
and it just wasn't a good look, I guess. Again, and it was actually three weeks after the draft, so they definitely had some time to sit on it. And I guess that was their plan in general was to wait till after the draft. But um, if you brought a draft analyst in before then who really hasn't had experience with your scouting group and stuff like that, that's just going to be a big change when it comes to you know who you're going to pick at that three pick and what you're going to do with trading down. So I guess keeping your GM in-house at the time, I guess you have enough time to go over it with the owner and the coaches and who they want to pick first and if they all come to an agreement as to who they pick and if they decide to trade out, um, that makes it easier for them to fire the GM not too long after because, again, Adam Gase is the interim he- interim GM for now. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be, and he is the head coach. So that just goes to show you Adam Gase had a large part in taking Quinton Williams in the draft as opposed to uh, McCagnan. Yeah, I mean, we'll just kind of have to see what, what how this pans out. But like I said, not a bad strategy going after these draft analysts, but they don't have to pay the price per se if, if things don't pan out. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I guess it's kind of like the weatherman, you know, they, they can make predictions, but if they're wrong, I mean, if it's like a snowstorm and they're if they're like, wrong, they keep their jobs. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, they could be extremely wrong, but it's almost implied that they're going to be wrong. As a GM, you're not, you're not, your job is not under the impression that, oh, you're going to be wrong. Your, your whole job title is like, you're going to do the right things for this team and you're going to take them down the right road and hopefully win them a championship. That's, that's the end goal. Exactly. So I have a quote from Adam Gase here. So last Friday, Adam Gase was asked about reports and uh, that there's discord between him and Mike McCagnan who haven't been getting along. And again, Mike McCagnan in-house has always been, you know, the type of guy that he's always been on the hot seat. He could be out any second now, and now he is. Here's the quote. I don't know who decides to put that stuff out there. It kind of pisses me off a little bit. Clearly, there was a power struggle. McCagnan is out, and Heimerdinger is out too. So, that just shows you there probably wasn't uh, a lot of agreements going on between the two. Yeah. But um, definitely putting Adam Gase at GM instead of the owner, which is a lot of it. Well, a lot of teams do that. If your GM is yeah. gone, your owner becomes the interim GM until further notice. But they put the head coach there. So obviously the Jets are all in on Adam Gase. They think he's going to be the answer. Um, but a lot of people don't like the moves that Adam Gase makes as a head coach either. Again, he was with the Dolphins and he was with the Bears before that when he was with Jay Cutler. And not much success there, but he has, he finally has some pieces to work with that'll make him a successful team. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Um, but you definitely don't want the coach to be the issue here. Do you think it was more the GM, um, being the issue in New York as opposed to the head coach again he just got hired so there's not a lot of there's not a lot of power there but again he ended up winning out the battle of getting the GM out and moving the coach up in the ranks that's what's interesting exactly what you said is that he's a new head coach he's literally been there a month or two maybe yeah not not so he's barely been there and if he's already taken over as their interim GM that's an interesting scenario I mean what what is clearly as you mentioned, they're trying to kind of build around Adam Gaze, but it's kind of like what we might not know is what, why are they so caught up on him? What is it that they really see? I'm not saying he's a bad coach at all. I'm just saying there, there's something that they see that they're going to try to build around him. And it, it's, I mean, it might come out, it might not, but I feel like it's a very bold, bold strategy. Yeah, just from what I know from Jets fans, especially online and Jets fans that I know from since we live in Jersey, 
Um, they're not too happy with Adam Gase being that interim he- interim yeah. GM. I keep thinking head coach because he is the head coach. Yeah. But um, usually the owner comes down and he actually works with it. But I guess a lot of people are mad at the owner because if you make a move like that, that just goes to show you the owner wants nothing part of it. Yeah. He just puts it in the hands of the coach and he yeah. makes those moves. Do you th- what kind of move was that? Do you think that was the best best you know for the organization to have the head coach that you just hired become the new GM until further notice, or do you think the owner should have taken responsibility and you know fired McCagnan a while ago and you know brought in the analyst? I guess if that was their choice, I don't know if it's been the choice for a while or if it is recently, or should the owner come down and actually start? you know, making moves that he wants to do for the organization at GM or was putting the head coach at GM the best fit? No, you, as the owner, it's, it's your team. You need to take the decisions. Exactly, exactly. I mean, if if you're, high, if you're firing a GM because whatever reasons you have out there on why you got rid of him, if you did not agree with those decisions, then now you need to take over and lead by example. You can't just leave it in some new head coach's hands and let him do everything because then what happens if you don't like what he does you're gonna fire him too like you can't you can't tell somebody or be like just make it assume that this is what you want to do and you don't take charge I mean I just think that that's not right I feel like the GM should have taken over I think so too and you know as an owner that that's exactly what you do is come back down and even though that is not a place you should be in that's exactly what you should do to kind of give the fans some hope and Think for a second that if that's a move you're going to make, then the owner should start making the moves that the fan base should want and what the front office should decide to make in general. Putting your head coach in that situation isn't the best because he just got hired again after getting fired. So there's a reason he got fired is because in in Miami, take it with a grain of salt, he didn't have much to work with over there. But at the same time, he's been to a couple teams already and he comes over to the Jets and, you know, he's one of those head coaches that still leaves a question mark with me. He's a good head coach to have on a team, but he hasn't proven anything at all. And you put him at the GM position. And again, he can roll the dice with whoever he wants right now. He can make any move he wants to as of right now. And, you know, I don't know what the jet strategy was there, but it's just very strange to me. And we'll keep everyone posted as to what's going on in New York because I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. We'll f- we just have to wait and find out. Yeah, so I actually have some housekeeping to uh, go over here. Um, so last week, there was a couple news um, that broke out, um, especially after we recorded. So, And I'm going to go from the bottom up in, the, in terms of how the events took place. Um, so Jaguars linebacker Talvin Smith announced his retirement on Instagram and he will not play football in 2019. That came out of nowhere. Absolutely yeah. no idea as to how he did that. He's very young. Yeah. He's in the NFL top 100 each and every year because he's a phenomenal player on a phenomenal defensive squad. And and again, I never found out the reason, never looked into it. We just know as of right now he's not going to play in 2019. Yeah, that's that's just not something anybody expected. I mean, as you mentioned, he's a young guy. How It's not like he's been in a league a while or he's had injury problems and – you know, it was just kind of like, all right, I might as well go out this way then, and I'd rather go out on my on the way I want than an injury or whatever to take me out or me getting cut. But it's very strange. It's a very yeah. strange uh, move by him. Definitely sad to see him go. Um, yeah. He was one of those players that, even though the only person they lose was Dexter Fowler last year at the trade deadline, they still have Unique Ngakwe. They still have, um, I keep forgetting their defensive, uh, Calais Campbell. And they have all these players, and he's a linebacker that where not a lot of linebackers come by, so 
great as other teams do. Again, you have a player like Devin White who was trade was not traded, sorry, who was drafted at the number five pick, and linebackers aren't known for being drafted even in the top ten. Yeah. And so now linebackers aren't too easy to come by. And Jaguars have another hole to fill, and it's going to be hard to fill in the shoes of Telvin Smith because he's done a very, very fantastic job over there in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, very surprising, you know. Best of luck to him, but that's very was very shocking to see him go. Yeah. So, as we mentioned last week, the front runners to get Ziggy Ansah, who was a free agent um, with his previous team, was the Lions, and I was fully expecting them to resign him. But again, they did end up getting uh, Trey Flowers over there from uh, New England. So. That was a spot they didn't really need to fulfill as much. Um, but Ziggy Ansah was a front runner to sign with the Bills or the Seahawks. At the end of the day, he ended up signing with the Seahawks. I thought it was a better fit to go to Buffalo because they, and, and that's weird to say right away because not yeah. a lot of people want to go to Buffalo. They're kind of like, as we mentioned before, the Pelicans of the, of the NFL, where not a lot of people want to go there because it's very cold and you know their, their fan base is crazy and even though that's a good thing it's <laughs> it's just not a lot of people want to play there and i thought it was a better fit to go to buffalo because ed oliver is honestly a great person to play next to but at the yeah. same time they also um they got they got rid of frank frank clark uh on the seahawks but maybe i guess he wanted to go to a team and again playing for russell wilson and you know being on a defense that's still trying to pick up from where the Legion of Boom was, I think it definitely was a really good place to go, and I thought it was way too obvious to go to Seahawks to go to the Seahawks. So I thought he was going to go to the Bills, but here's how the deal went down. So the Seahawks ended up signing uh, Ziggy Ansah to a one-year deal. Um, his new deal with the Seahawks is one year, nine million, six million guaranteed. Could be worth 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 up to twelve point seven five million with incentives and stuff like that. Very low contract. Yeah, that is very surprising. Very, very, very low. And again, they ended up tagging Frank Clark, who ended up going to the Chiefs. So he's not on the team anymore. So I definitely thought that. And I mentioned last week, if you're going to sign him, have your money ready. And I guess they put that offer on the table and ended up taking it. Um, I honestly think Z- Ziggy Ansah, he's a very phenomenal player. He's not mentioned all the time. Mm. Um, he definitely had a good couple years last year. But again, he was in Detroit. But now he comes to Seattle where... He could definitely shine there, and he could get a contract the, you know, the following year. It's only a one-year deal, so maybe yeah. they're going to build up that money and eventually give him a blockbuster deal, but Seahawks can't be spending money like crazy. Um, but, you know, I think he's going to be a great fit over there in Seattle. Definitely a low, low, low contract. I definitely yeah. would He ended up getting $9 million. I would have went for at least 10 to 15 Yeah, that was very surprising. Yeah, very, very surprising. How do you think Ziggy Ansa is going to fit over there on the Seahawks? Uh, they still have Bobby Wagner who's going to be playing behind him. They finally have some nice pass rush that they did have before, but they didn't have the money to do so at the time. And it, it already shows here because they're signing him to a one-year deal. And obviously Frank Clark wasn't about it. And they didn't come to terms with any deal. Ends up getting the tag. Ended up trading him at the end of the day. And I think definitely Ziggy Ansah took, a, you know, took one for the team in a sense to mm-hmm. for them to build some cap money so they could sign him in the future. Yeah, I think... Uh I think he's going to be a good fit. I think he he might uh I think he might have a breakout year. They don't really have much to work with in terms of pass rush. I mean, I think I mentioned that They did draft that defensive end uh Collier uh, with yeah. that with that later pick in the draft too, so maybe that'll help. Yeah, I mean, but like I said last uh last week, Pete Carroll could definitely do something with him. I could definitely understand why he went there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he could do a lot with him, I think. Yeah. You know, Pete Carroll will probably 
definitely won't let him go after one year. I don't think I don't even see Ziggy Ansah leaving after this year. I think Seattle is a great fit for him, and uh, hopefully they got the money ready to pay him because I'm sure he's going to be demanding it when the time comes. Yeah, and so. And I'm sure it was also a great thing to do to take this low-tier pick because it goes to show you that I'm willing to play for you guys regardless of what you pay me as long as at the end of the day you're going to pay me. Yeah. And they're definitely not going to pay him $105.5 million like they did to Frank Clark no, over either. there um, in Kansas City. So don't expect that kind of money. Uh, but I think Zigiansa is a great fit over there, and I think he's going to get the contract he deserves in the long run. Um, so another thing, and more news with the Seahawks, a lot of Seahawks news this week. Uh, they t- uh, a couple days ago, five days ago to be exact, they terminated the contract of wide receiver Doug Baldwin and safety Cam Chancellor. Both were, were released with failed physical designation. Um, so they basically failed their physical. And, you know, I feel like that was known with both because Cam Chancellor hasn't really been on the field for a very, very long time. I think the last yeah. time he played was 2017. Yeah. And Doug Baldwin was already already looking dead in the face at retirement. So that was probably going to happen. And... You know, Doug Baldwin is now retired, and I guess they already had a backup plan going on, taking DK Metcalf with the sec with the second round pick that yeah. they took him with. Um, so I guess that they had that coming. I like Doug Baldwin; he's out now. Um, talk about a guy that what was he undrafted? I think he was undrafted, so, yeah. and he ends up putting the numbers he does with Russell Wilson. He was seen as a number one; he was as their number one receiver for a very long time, and ended up being. He ended up coming down from being known as that number one receiver there because of all the injuries that took place. But whenever he was playing and when he was injured this season and whenever he came back, I think it was that game against the Chiefs later on in the season, he put on a massive performance and he had to play through a a sprained MCL. I'm sure a bunch of other injuries that we don't know about. He's probably just taking painkillers out the wazoo with that. And and now he's retired. So I I honestly feel bad, man, because – and I'm sure he's going to have a great time in retirement because he had a good couple of years. He did end up winning a Super Bowl with the with uh, the mm-hmm. Seahawks, um, but now DK Metcalf takes that slot. Um, do you think T- DK Metcalf, from all the criticism that criticisms that he's had in the draft, that he lives up to that hype? Um, you know, especially the great combine that he had. He had the four three. He had a phenomenal vertical. And there's and his cone drill apparently wasn't so great and that shut him down in the draft. But do you think that even matters? Do you think the way Russell Wilson plays, scrambling out of the pocket, and from what you hear, DK Metcalf can only run like a max two routes, and I'm sure a lot of people that say that don't even watch a lot of film of him. Do you think he's a great fit to take the spot of Doug Baldwin in Seattle? Um, I think personally, I think that uh, what Russell Wilson was missing was someone that he can really go down the field with because he had. Baldwin who could do that but he wasn't really a big guy and I feel like by having DK Metcalf he kind of fills that spot so I think in the ideal world they would have had him and Baldwin and that would have been a great duo but obviously now Baldwin's out um I think he I think he could take over because they still got Lockett right yeah they do still have Lockett and he's on a pretty big contract I think it was like four years 40 million yeah so I could see Metcalf being more of that big guy and Lockett being more the speed guy I could definitely see it working out I could see that too but at the end of the day you have to realize that DK Metcalf didn't play a lot of games over there at Ole Miss and he was injured a lot and that's exactly what Doug Baldwin did he ended up getting hurt a lot unfortunately I mean you can't really help injuries but DK Metcalf ended up performing very well when he did play yeah um but, you know, he's he's very much in shape, as we see with his shirt off all the time, that yeah. he does – he lifts all the time. He's always in shape, and there's some 
you know, there's some clips coming out of him running decent routes, but, you know, he's really going to have to prove it when it comes to Seattle because they have a solid run game. They ran a lot last year, but now you bring in DK Metcalf and you're going to want to throw more. Tyler Lockett had a phenomenal year from what the usage he got for being in the slot. Yeah. Uh, but now he fills that outside um, outside role over there, and hopefully that works out for them. But, mm-hmm. again, they got to stay healthy. That's yeah. That's all that matters at the end of the day. And let's get back to Cam Chancellor for a second. So, again, the last time he really played – um was in 2017 he's had some neck issues and i think did he announce his retirement after or are you still staying a free i haven't agent? heard anything i, I don't him. think i did either but having a neck injury in the nfl is no joke because you know it's a very contact sport and you don't want to end up being paralyzed or anything like that but again i think they just kind of kept cam chancellor on their payroll to kind of pay some insurance and make sure that he has his money but i think now they were kind of just like all right get off our payroll so we can yeah. actually start paying some guys um doesn't come as a surprise to me they got rid of him he was one of the last people of legion to boom he was a phenomenal player when he was playing but now he's gone so i don't know what happens with him next but the seahawks are moving on and they're moving pretty quick again now they got ziggy Ansa, babby wagner had a pro bowl year and they're building over there on offense. They just signed uh, Russell Wilson to a, a massive deal, and so they keep him. They just got to fix their offensive line a little more. They got a phenomenal running game again. Maybe Rashad Penny comes out a little more this year. He was mm-hmm. a number one pick. Was a first round pick in the draft last year, but Chris Carson came back from his broken foot or ankle um, and put on a great year. So yeah. I mean, hopefully that works out for them at the end of the day. Um, let's talk some Dolphins. We don't talk about Dolphins too often, but they ended up signing cornerback Xavier Howard uh, to a deal that was record-setting, five-year, $76.5 million extension with $46 million of it guaranteed. Um, a lot of people think he's very overpaid. Um, and a lot of defensive players over there in Miami aren't as great as people want them to be. And... They ended up keeping a guy that puts in the work for them, but to to the expense of having to lose all that money. So, yeah, I mean, their their defense isn't anything great, and I feel like if you have one guy that's really working for you and seems to be fitting your scheme and going out there week in and week out and really putting through the effort, I feel like that's kind of what you want to build around. You don't want to let that go, and. But that's a massive. Contract. I mean, but the problem is, is they're gonna have to. They're they're fighting with that next man up. They're fighting with it. So if if you, cause they they know he's talented, it's very clear that he's talented. And I feel like if he went at the free agency, there are teams that would have given him very pretty similar to that deal. And I feel like they, you don't want a guy like that to walk. I mean, if that's who you're gonna build your team around, you gotta pay him what basically is gonna be offered to him. Yeah, and and again. Not a lot goes well over there in Miami. A lot of people want to play and go to South Beach because it is South Beach. Yeah. And, you know, it's a nice place to go play. But at the end of the day, they have very much trouble getting free agents over there and drafting players. And they, I think they hit the nail on the head with getting Minka Fitzpatrick last year. So yep. they, he's going to work out for them. But, you know, they ha- they just lost their head coach. And, you know, now they have a new one coming in. They just got Josh Rosen. You know, and they just they also signed a bridge quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, you know, I don't know. I really don't have much of an analysis going on in Miami because it's real. It's really tough to pick and choose as to where they're right and wrong. But they signed their guy, and again, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. They mm-hmm. really haven't made 
giant moves this off season. Um, mm-hmm. They just signed uh, Wilkins, I think, in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal player. So hopefully, he helps them on defense. Um, but I, I don't see them moving up anywhere in the ranks uh, in their division anytime soon. No, not at all. So. I think I have one more thing to cover here. So the Patriots are re-signing their former linebacker, Jamie Collins, who they once traded to Cleveland. It's a done deal. He's back in New England. Uh, I saw this coming for like a very, very long time because Jamie Collins ended up having a rough patch in Cleveland when he first got traded over there because yeah. that year they did make it to the Super Bowl right before they made the Super Bowl and they ended up trading him mm-hmm. to the worst team in the league, and that's where they're going like 0-16 at the time. Yeah. And now he's back in... He's, he's back in uh, New England, I guess. They haven't really lost that spark that they had for each other. I think it was kind of more of a need to try to get uh, Jamie Collins out of there and try to get some assets for him. But he's back there. Do you think he has an impact going into that defensive uh, front that they have going on that was phenomenal in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think when they traded him, they still had Rob Ninkovich, and now that he's gone because he retired after the Super Bowl, I think, 51, he retired after that. I feel like They've kind of been missing. Well, Chung him. also got hurt. Yeah. in the Super Bowl, I think he like, yeah. broke his arm. Right, he did. So, so they've they've definitely been missing Rob Ninkovich, and they need that outside pressure. And Jamie Collins was not bad. No, he's not bad. He's not bad at all. She landed so. in a bad spot, and it was very it was actually head scratching when he first got traded. Yeah, because a lot of people liked him, but that yeah. ended up happening. So, but yeah, I, I think he's gonna work out well for them. I think it'll work, I think he's gonna just gonna work out well for them in general because the way their defense is played like or used even without you know matt patricia who left a little while ago and then brian flores just left to go to miami yeah. like we mentioned before i think they're all going to do just fine i literally in that super bowl when you hear patriots in a super bowl you usually think of tom brady rob gronkowski how they're going to do you know touchdown wise and sony michelle ended up, ended up scoring the only touchdown in that super bowl yeah. so it wasn't even like their star players were making those plays their defense ended up shutting down jared goff and the rams overall so Expect them coming into this year, especially with all the picks that they made in this draft. They just signed Nikhil Harry to a massive deal. I don't yeah. know if you saw that. Um, it was like a four-year, $10 million deal, and like $5 million of it is guaranteed. So they got some new weapons. Tom Brady's not going anywhere for a couple more years maybe, and their defense was solid in the Super Bowl. All things are looking up for them. Expect them to go back to the Super Bowl, but yep. I'm not going to move away from my pick to win this year's Super Bowl. Indianapolis Colts all the way. <laughs> but yeah, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap it up here? Uh, no. Awesome. Else. So I want to do a couple plugs here. So hopefully you guys enjoyed some of the bonus content that we put up on social media as of late. So we ended up opening our newest Instagram handle, uh, Franchise Tag Sports, on Instagram. You can check out some clips and snippets um, that we have uh, from our recent podcast. So expect some of them to go up from this podcast right onto our Instagram. Make sure to give that a follow. Um, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. We ended up putting some uh, podcast clips up on there, Franchise Tag Podcast. Uh, we ended up talking about the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and some of the stats that he had and how he's going to come into this season after coming off an ACL tear. We also had a clip up there talking about uh, Dak Prescott and his up-and-coming contract that could possibly take place. So expect some new content to be up there. Definitely subscribe to that. Leave some likes and comments on that. And if you can, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, and Spotify. Make sure to leave a like and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That would help us out a lot. Follow the Twitter um, franchise tech pod. We ended up giving you some of the latest news going on around the league. Um, and I give you guys some updates as to when the latest episode of the podcast goes up there. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.